Hello, and welcome to Do The Franchise with me, Jake. And me, James. See, I mixed it up a bit there again. Yep, just keeping <laughs> me on my toes constantly. <laughs> just checking that you're still there. Yeah. Um, we've been away for a while, and um, we are, we have got a few different projects and things lined up for this, uh, for this new series to Do The Franchise, but we are going to put Fast and Furious on hold for a couple of weeks, months, or years. <laughs> Imagine like a fanfare happening in my head. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think both James and I had realised that after four Fast and Furious films, we've basically seen the same film four times. <laughs> we were running out of things to say. Uh, yeah, so now we're doing a different franchise, which apparently is not the same thing four times. Um, but it is basically <laughs> a man flying around, saving people's lives and saving people jumping out of buildings uh, four times. Uh, and that is uh, Superman, the Superman franchise which uh, starts with the Richard Donner Superman. Yep. Um, ends with Superman 4, Quest for Peace, and then a reboot slash sequel, which was Superman Returns, made by Brian Singer in, I think, 2006. Correct. So James and I um, are going to do these films, but tell the, the, so tell the listeners, James, because it probably makes more sense coming from you, what we've chose to do in this series. Well, we were suffering. We were suffering for our art with Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. So I figured we'd, so true. we'd choose a franchise that I knew pretty well. And we would reward ourselves because we deserve a reward, Jake. It's 2020. It's a new mm-hmm. me. It's a new you. It's a new decade. It's, it's a new decade. So what we're going to do, we're going to review these films from worst to best. And <laughs> this is just our opinion. It might not be popular opinion. Yeah, no, it think, probably yeah. is though. Um, cause we're Do you know gonna... what? I think if you go on IMDb, I think it is the popular opinion. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're starting with Superman Four: Peace, um, which is it, it's a film that that was made, and uh, there, there are a lot of things to be said about it. I think over the past few days, where we've both been watching it and uh, doing a little bit of research, I think we found yeah. the background of the film more interesting than the film itself. Um, yep. But there are some moments in the film that are worth mentioning, so I think we'll uh, we'll do our usual sort of recap of the film. Spoilers if anyone hasn't seen Superman for yeah. Quest for Peace, but it's been out a while. Um, uh, but yeah. 1987, to be precise, James. <laughs> Gosh, 1987. Um, and it looks worse than a lot of films that were made in 1987. <laughs> but, but that's because... It does. That's because the, the, the budget for this film... If you do all the normal conversion, I think works out to about fifty p. Yeah, I think I think adjusted for inflation. Yeah, <laughs> I think fifty p <laughs> is about on point. So, uh, so there's a lot to be meant, said about that later. So I will come back to that. But uh... Sh- shall I? Shall I do our usual? Um, yes. So. So this film uh, was released in 1987. Um, it's an hour and 33 minutes long, so it doesn't. It's not even that long. It's not even as long as Too Fast, Too Furious, um, or any of the Harry Potter films. Yeah. It was. It was given 3.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, gosh. Um, it was rewarded with 11% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, score. So not zero and then. I, I. Do you know? I, right. I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as people make out. I think it's better than The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> <laughs> which is a spoiler alert because we are going to be reviewing that film at some point this year yes. in, a, in a big in a big way, a big do the franchise way. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, um, this film was made on a budget of thirty six million US dollars. Uh, oh, so sorry, no, I'm no, wrong. No, it, you're it, wrong. The Jake. budget was seven seventeen million dollars. It was it originally thirty seven million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it was originally <coughs> given a thirty seven million dollar budget, and then yep. they then they looked at their bank balance and realised they didn't have that, <laughs> so they cut it to seventeen, and I believe it actually only made fifteen million total. Good God! <laughs> right, can I read the can I read the synopsis out for the for the fans of the, for this? Oh, please film? do. Yeah, I'll um. Do it in a nice boom, 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 boom way. Uh, this could be a new segment. I don't know why I'm sharing that with the audience. <laughs> I should have shared this with you. Um, with the world on the brink of a nuclear war, Superman takes it upon himself to destroy all nuclear weapons on Earth. Lex Luthor, however, creates a nuclear man, a force strong enough to take down even Superman. Boom, 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 boom. A, a job Hollywood. in Hollywood beckons. 
<laughs> yeah, I hope so. This is all this has been a damn massive audition. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we just dive in? Um, oh, let's let's it, dive I, in. It's it starts uh, it starts in a way where. Well, it starts with the classic flying titles, which we all know are quite, you know, we're going to talk about these, I'm sure, a lot more as the franchise goes on. But these are the kind of like the bread and butter of the Superman film uh, franchise. The wonderful John Williams score for The Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, um, although and... it sounds like in this film, that wonderful score is being played on instruments that cost about 10p. Yeah, it's not as good, is it, as the original? No. If you listen to it in Superman 1 and Superman 2... Yeah, it's completely different, and it just sounds it sounds cheaper. Yeah, it's the strangest thing I've ever said, but that makes sense. It's a little bit like when you go on Spotify or Apple Music and you search for a song that it used to happen a long time ago. You'd search for a song from an artist that you really liked, but you couldn't remember the details of the song. So you'd search the song, maybe you couldn't remember who made it, and you would listen to a knockoff version of that song, <laughs> and you'd go, "This sounds vaguely like that song, yeah. but it's not the right words, yeah, <laughs> or, or something." You know, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely performed on a knockoff oboe. Yeah. So it starts in space, um, and there's a man singing My Way by Frank Sinatra in Russian. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, have I written you off already? (laughs) This is how all films need to start in future. (coughs) Sorry, my cold is killing me. Uh, Yeah, um, I didn't, I laughed, I must admit I laughed. I didn't know if that was like, what was that about? Why was he singing My Way? And then another Russian says something like, uh, I'm going to wheel you in now, Frank Sinatra. And I was like, oh, right. So they are even making a joke about it themselves. Yeah. So it's self-referential. Yeah, the uh, the Russian, the singing Russian then says that at home he's told to, <laughs> he can only sing in space. So basically no one wants to hear this guy sing. Yeah, and he, he's shit, so fair enough. Um, and then some mad stuff happens and Superman is coming to save the Russians or the Americans. I can't remember which one at this point. Uh, uh, there's he, a th- He's here to save the Russians, Jake. Because yeah, he's, he's, f- he's Earth's hero. He's not just there for the Americans. Yeah. You know, we know that's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but that, the, the, the introductory shot of Superman flying forwards at the camera, get used mm-hmm. to that shot because you'll be seeing it a lot. <laughs> yeah, you do. You get that shot is like copy and pasted against different <laughs> backgrounds. I mean, I, I know we haven't, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Have we done... Did they not do that for the first two movies anyway? Like, was that not a thing where they had Christopher Reeve just hovering against a green screen or a blue screen? They did, but they I think they had multiple versions of that shot. And and those two yeah. films were sort of filmed back to back. So it's a bit more forgivable. This one was years later, and they weren't using those shots out of choice. More necessity, because yeah. they couldn't film anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's very straight to video, isn't it? It um, is. I mean, he's still my favourite Superman actor oh he's brilliant he's so good the moment he comes on screen you almost forgive it the cheap intro and the the mad russian singing and it's like oh this is a christopher reeve superman film you're instantly reminded of that and then it's like that actually that does feel pretty good i know i don't know i know this is probably coming from a person who preferred the animation side of superman i like the animated cartoons and series with superman in them um with the big jaw and stuff i always like that and i like i don't mind the man of steel one with cavill i, I but I, I think the thing about reeve that i like more is that he's better as clark kent he's a really good clark kent yeah he's almost as good he's i'd actually go as far as saying he's as good a clark kent in the same way that like you get that kind of Tobe Maguire's the original Peter Parker, but he isn't a Peter Parker off the page like you would imagine Tom Holland is. Yeah, yeah. He's a Peter Parker for the films, and he's and he's really nerdy, but not a good nerd. He's not fun. He's just a really awkward looking weird dude who takes pictures. Mm. And I found that Christopher Reeve is just this like bumbling, glasser wearing, clumsy awkward reporter character but it, he plays it so well and it's so charismatic that you just love that character that character anyway you know True. regardless of the fact that him being superman if he was just clark kent in a film about a guy that's trying to get ahead in the in the journalism business <laughs> i would still watch it with christopher reeve in it do you know what i mean absolutely and i think that is that's probably why you might 
enjoy this film somewhat more than other people because yeah. there's a lot more Clark Kent is... in this film than there is Superman. Yeah, and he's doing a lot of stupid stuff like the elevator scene, which we'll talk about later. I just I got a good buzz out of that. I liked yeah. that stuff, and yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, Superman is in space. Uh, his cape is blowing in the wind. <laughs> just put that down. He's in space, James. Yeah, it's space wind, Jake. It's it's. Uh, he saves he saves some Russians, and yeah. then he goes back to Smallville in Kansas. Yeah. Um, where there's a guy who's trying to buy his farm, who really doesn't like him very much. Yeah. But he plays ball with him anyway. <laughs> it's it's such an odd scene, and I, I know we're going to be going through some like interesting trivia later. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this now because this is brilliant trivia and if i don't talk about it now i'll probably forget it later but the yeah. set for the kent farm i i didn't realize it when i watched the film i just like oh it's the kent farm because they've done a really good job at rebuilding it but yeah that kent farm that they're filming on is actually in england yes and it is it's in oxfordshire i think yeah the original <coughs> set was still built and existed in canada but the, oh, is that where they filmed it? Yeah, that's where they filmed the original one. Uh, the original Kent Farm was in Canada, and it apparently was still standing at the time of filming Quest for Peace. But <laughs> they, they couldn't afford to go no. film there, so they just Jesus. rebuilt it in England, which... I mean, it seems cra- more expensive, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it like, really does. If me and you wanted to go and shoot on a farm, we have the choice between going to Canada and shooting on a farm, or buying some land and building our own farm... I think I know the cheaper alternative in that situation, you know. I, I, or get a miniature farm and, and shoot on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that financial decisions were this film company's strong suit. <laughs> no, I agree. I totally agree with but that. But, yeah, they, uh, they, they, they filmed the Kent Farm in England. And they did a Brilliant. good job, to their credit, because I didn't notice when I was watching it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but Superman reveals his latest new power, because there's a few new powers, again... For budgetary reasons, he gets a lot of new powers. <laughs> he does. In this film, he can look at the space pod that brought him to Earth and make it disappear. Yeah, he takes the crystal of the power crystal. I'm guessing out of the the module, out of the out of the baby ship. It's the ship that he comes in as a baby, right? And, yeah. And and Ken, what's his name? Uh, Ken, Jonathan Kent buries it in the thing. Yeah. Um, and. He takes a crystal out, and it's like a MacGuffin, and it says something like, yeah, the, the people from Krypton are like, oh, if you keep the crystal, it has enough power to rejuvenate you, but you can only use it once, which is the classic MacGuffin of, if you touch the Ark and open it, it's going to blow up in your face, and it'll the power of God will come out of it, and you're like, oh, that's going to be significant. Yeah. But I, I worried toward the end of this film that they've forgotten about that MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> so, it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it goes in his jacket pocket. And then yeah, you never, you never see, see it again. again. It's and not even referenced in any other like um, Superman uh, literature in any of the films. I don't think we ever see that again. In no. any, it's just that's one bit in Superman Four. And as a, I remember watching this when I was younger, and not quite getting why that the green thing that looks like Kryptonite that's from Krypton isn't killing him. It's just a different green thing. That yeah. <laughs> that uh, like you say that the voice is his mum's voice, I believe, telling him that he can use the crystal to rejuvenate him, but it's the last bit of Krypton that's left, and once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, but we already know Krypton's gone anyway, so it doesn't matter, does no, it? I, I, I'm Strangely like... enough, though, Lex always seems to find more Kryptonite in these movies. Yeah, there's always, there's always some Kryptonite kicking about. Um, yeah. they, they, they make a joke about nobody wanting to buy a farm anymore, and they're going to turn it into... A know, shopping mall. A shopping mall, uh, which is probably true. You know, it's the late 80s... Shopping malls yeah. were, were becoming a big thing. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he makes another throwaway comment about Metropolis being a long way from where he was born. Which is Sorry, James, can I just reiterate? Metropolis? Yeah. Or is it New York? Or is it Milton Keynes? <laughs> this film does not know, Jake. This film does not know <laughs> where it wants like, to be set. I had to do a lot of Googling. This was one of those things where I was so distracted by social media. I think I paused this film probably more than we've paused anything else since we've been doing this podcast. 
to do my <laughs> research. Like even when John Cryer shows up in a bit as as um, as Lex Luthor's nephew, I googled John Cryer and then sift yeah. through his IMDb because I was like, is it John Cryer? Then I Google Quest of Peace and it's like John Cryer, John Cryer, uh, two and a half men, two and a half men, Supergirl, Supergirl, Lex Luthor. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the guy that plays Lex Luthor in Supergirl who's playing Lex Luthor's kid um, nephew, nephew in... In this, I was just so baffled. I did this a lot with like a lot of this. Uh, they were really characters. inventive with his name there. They call they call him Lenny Luther. I thought he was called Alexander Luther. Is that not that's not all his name is then? Lenny Luther. Lenny Luther. Yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, so there's a luminescent Kryptonian thing. Um, yeah, and then and then he refuses to sell the farm, and this never comes up again. And then you just see Clark in Metropolis or New York or Milton Keynes, <laughs> where he stops a runaway subway train, which looks a lot like a tube train, James. It, it does look a lot because because it is Jake. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been to many American cities, and there's one thing that that England has got that America doesn't have, and that is obviously a lot of history. Um, our tube stations were made, I think, in the mid-1800s. A lot of them were carved out, and there were steam trains under there, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and America obviously got them in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And I think Boston was the first place. I feel like a real nerd now, but I think Boston, Massachusetts, is the first city probably in the world to get the train, the underground train. I don't know if they, built, they beat London, I'm not sure, but um, that's a really old subway system. I mean, with the, but, the, the carefree attitude of this film, it might as well be set in Boston. Yeah, and I think that would work, but it's not, James. It's definitely a London tube station because it's it's built like a one in London. It's got the London Victorian tiles, which, you know, forgive America, they don't have Victorian London tiles because they're not in London. They're in New York or yeah. Boston or wherever. And there's a few, there is a few very old subway stations in America, in New York especially, but I think most of them have been filled in or they're cut off. I don't think many of them are operating on the main lines now. If you go to an American subway, they're all very much of the muchness. Yeah. But um, they don't look like that. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, this is a really strange thing when you're thinking it's underneath. It's not even like, I don't know. I just, and it's like the, the only thing they could bother to do is put an American poster behind the tube. And that kind of said, oh, that Clark is on the American version of the tube in yeah. Metropolis. But- Which is fine. It's a film. I will suspend the disbelief kind of thing. But I'm not having it, James. No, I, I will suspend disbelief up to a point. And that point <laughs> yeah. is when we see the same carbon copied shot of Superman <laughs> flying forwards, but this time in a tube station. <laughs> Sorry. Also, why did the man collapse on the controls? I think he had I think he was choking. I mean I'm hoping it was Did he have some sort of stroke? Like he's never explained, is it? He no. just sort of goes uh, and falls on the on the go button and then and then the train goes and then Margot Kidder's um uh, what's her face uh, Le- Le- what's her name Lois um, oh, Lois Lane Lois yeah. Lane she's on the train and she's the only woman the only person on this train who's alarmed by the speed the train is then going at and <laughs> that's she's because like, it's a regular speed thing that's sped yeah. up in and films. then she looks at the train station and she goes oh look it's leicester square i've missed it um <laughs> and, then, and then she starts to scream i think a she's realized she's missed leicester square and b she's gone shit i'm in london <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everything's just suddenly dawned on her that this is completely the wrong town. Um, the, oh, the, man, the man in charge of the, the tube train, we'll call yep. it a tube train because that's what the film wants us to believe. That's what it is. Uh, he, he has this, he, he clutches his chest, falls forward. Superman then stops the train, opens the door and just touches the man's shoulder and goes, yeah, he's all right. Because <laughs> Superman's a doctor, yeah. and I love, I love this thing that they did with Christopher Reeve. And I don't think they, I don't recall. I've obviously, I'm not as big a fan of Superman as you are. I don't recall them doing that in any iteration of Superman, other than the film ones, where he goes, "Oh, typically the tube station is still the best way of getting around." Like, does he do that? I don't remember him doing that. And Christopher Reeve does it in all of them. He's like, oh, you know, airplanes are still the best way to travel. Does he Does he do that? But it's he, very strange. I mean, I, he often gets all these nicknames, Superman anyway, like Big Blue or the, the Boy Scout. Yeah. And I guess it lives up to that, doesn't it? It lives up to the idea yeah. that he is this, this all-American hero kind of guy in a much bigger way than, say, Captain America even. Captain America gets some of it. 
But Superman, yeah. it's really, I think it's core to, to who he is. So it's cool that he does it. Um, yeah. But the only thing he did with Captain America was those infomercials he does in Superman. Is it Spider-Man School? Oh, yeah. Where he's like, the, the coach, he's like, you got detention, you messed up. They were good because yeah. that like was that fed into that sort of that bureaucracy of, of using Captain America as like a symbol and as a as a teacher. I thought it was quite funny. Definitely. But yeah, I don't I, I it made me laugh, but at the same time, even in nineteen eighty seven, I'm looking at that and going, It's like when wrestlers used to say in nineteen eighty seven, you know what, take your vitamins and drink your milk. You're like who we don't need that. Like <laughs> we don't need you to be a role model. We don't want to be like you. We just want you to be cool. Yeah. And, Just be cool. And that's not cool, is it? Telling you that the subway's statistically the <laughs> safest way to travel. Who cares, Clark? <laughs> anyway, um, so Daily Planet uh, is where Clark, Kent and Lois Lane work. And it's yep. been taken over by David Warfield, who is basically like your Rupert Murdoch tabloid tycoon kind of character. Yeah, uh, I don't like him. Fi- no, no one likes him. He fires Perry and, and brings his daughter Lacey in as a new editor uh, who, for some inexplicable reason, fancies Clark, even though Clark's clearly a nerd. Um, it's a really odd dynamic, and then it, yeah. it kind of like this escalates into a love triangle between Lacey, Clark, and Lois. Yeah, and even th- though Lois and and let's just say this, Margot Kidder is barely in this movie. Yeah, she- so <laughs> so the love triangle doesn't really work because she's not in it enough for no. it to work. No. And Lois Lane. Uh, Margot Kidder especially, you could tell she doesn't give a shit about Clark in this film. <laughs> yeah. They clocked out. <laughs> so oh, it's it's so so awkward because uh, again yeah. trivia time. Apparently, uh, Reeves' ego during this film was a little bit bigger because oh yeah uh, because he is one of the story writing credits for the film. So it had a story. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. What Sorry. what little story that. they had? Um, mm, he he was responsible brilliant. for, and apparently Margot Kidder and uh, Christopher Reeve didn't get on at all during oh, the really? filming. Which got oh, so- I I just that's really weird that I've just said that because I didn't know that. No, and I I was just reading the the scene as I as I saw it as a, as a spectator, so I could tell there was something not right about that. That that, that three, dynamic, yeah. That trip, that triangle dynamic, because it didn't work for me. I mean, then especially when they're in the um, they're in the apartment and they're doing the bit where Clark switches between Clark and Superman. Yeah, which it, which should work because that's a really funny classic archetypal sort of um, love triangle thing. It's what you do. It's like, oh, I'm trying to please her, and I'm trying to please her, and that's been done a million times in, yeah. in film, in TV, in theatre, uh, and that really does work. But it doesn't work here because no. <laughs> it's like Lois doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there are other reasons it doesn't work because, like <clears throat> that bit where um, he goes into her office and yeah. she's sat on the desk for no yes. no other reason than to try and seduce him. But it's not very seductive because it looks really awkward. Like she's sat on a stapler. I mean, yeah. she doesn't look comfortable. She's sat on a, some sort of sharp object. Um, and then, uh, this is interesting, again, while they're on the trivia side, um, what's-her-face, uh, Lacey Warfield was played by an actress called Mariel Hemingway, um, she'd been acting since the age of 14, uh, she had a Golden Globe nomination, she was a big, big performer, I think she was in Woody Allen's, uh, film Manhattan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mariel Hemingway is, is, as you can expect for the surname, the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. I thought it was a really interesting fact. That is a... This is the kind of Googling I was doing whilst watching this movie. <laughs> I feel like... I thought, yeah. I, just, I feel like this might be a bit sort of top trumping of, of facts here, but uh, she was... Well, I didn't all... want to come to this with nothing to bring to the table because no. I thought James relies on me for a certain level of journalism in these movie podcasts. And I thought, well, I've got to do some work. So I did some digging on certain actors and actresses, but that was the best one I could come up with. Obviously, other than figuring out where I knew that kid John Cryer from. Yeah, I think uh, Muriel was, was nominated for a Razzie for her performance in this. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> so she didn't do too well out of this film. Oh. Bless her. Um, um, yeah, and then it, it's, it's, yeah, then the Soviet Union and the US are in an arms race, uh, and people are saying that Superman should intervene um, 
But Superman doesn't think that he should because he's like, you know, I'm just an alien. I'm here to hail help people. Whatever the humans do is, is their problem. And he goes to the Fortress of Solitude to seek advice uh, from his uh, Kryptonian mum and daddy. Yeah. Is it mummy and daddy? I think it's his mummy and daddy. Well, cause... It's a bunch of old men he speaks to because I don't think they yeah. could afford to reuse any of the uh, Brando stuff. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Because Marlon Brando is famously the father, isn't he? Yeah. In the originals. Yeah. And they, they just did they just forget about that? Or can you I, not I think so. Him? I just... Yeah, it, it goes back, and and basically, a, a couple of old men yell betrayal yeah. at um, at Clark for asking they if do. he should help out. So he goes back to his flat and watches another old man, the U.S. president, on TV. They <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for this because when we get to the, like the next, I think we're gonna when we get to Superman one, I will be doing my Marlon Brando impression, which I will perfect. And hopefully my voice has got better by that point. I was so looking forward to that. It's great because I have to get really drunk to do it. Because <laughs> I want to be really in character. So there's... We shouldn't laugh. We love Marlon Brando. We do. Much. We do. Yeah. He's, he, he's a legend. He's brilliant. And, you know, he's, he's Superman's dad, bless him. He's, he's, he's done all right. But, but let's be honest, James, could definitely drink us both under the table. Oh, <laughs> me very easily. I think... <laughs> um, we, we've obviously, we've got this looming threat of nuclear war. That yeah. that was very much on on theme for the time period. Um, we we also go on a little trip to the museum with Lex and Lenny. They they have on display a strand of Superman's hair that's holding up a very obviously papier mâché ball <laughs> that's meant to be <coughs> some sort of two ton weight or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's clever. I like the concept. It, it, it is good, but at the same time, this two-ton weight that's being held by this strand of hair, the strand of hair is then cut by a pair of pliers, basically, that Lex has with him that he's managed See, to See, I didn't in. worry about that. I did not I did the suspension of disbelief with that because I thought, well, so surely Clark has to get his hair cut and he can't let his barber know that he's Superman. True. So True. surely his barber will be able to cut his hair, but... It's a little bit like, I think there's one of the films, and again, I'm sure we'll see this when we go down the, the, the line of the films, where some physician or doctor tries to put a needle into Superman's arm and the needle just bends. Yeah. <laughs> and I always remember that image and I really liked that. I thought it was a really cool, oh, cool thing to put in. But it's like, surely if Clark needs to put a needle in himself, he probably could do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, I always there's thought be a workaround. Yeah, I always thought of it in that way. That, yeah, if Clark needs to do something, surely he could cut his fingernails, you know what I mean? Like, surely he can clip his own nails, but <laughs> if someone tries to shoot his nail, the bullet will bounce off them because he's the Man of Steel. But we'll we'll figure this out, yeah. James. We'll I, look at the law I of mean, the Man of Steel. I, I'll be honest with you, it bothered me for all of five seconds because John Cryer has possibly the second best line in the film here when Lex says, Lenny, what do you think I can do with this strand of Superman's hair? And John Cryer's reply line is, you can make a toupee that flies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is just. I, I, oh, I had geez. to remind myself this was the last Christopher Reeve Superman <coughs> film. This was the last film Christopher Reeve was involved in, and we've got flying toupee jokes. This is what I love, though, because we're doing it back to front. So we're not getting the we're getting the worst films out of the way first, aren't we? So we can yeah. pave the way for the good ones. Um, and I like that because I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting Superman two, which I remember watching when I was a kid and really loving. Um, so then we Lex Luthor um, steals the thing with his, his nephew, and they go to develop Nuclear Man, who is going to be a a son of Lex Luthor, who will help do, defeat the Man of Steel. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, a boy in a school somewhere in the US decides to write a letter to Superman, but <laughs> Superman James only has one address, and it's the. <laughs> Fortress of Solitude, just somewhere in the in the Arctic, is it? I yeah, think. He, he's he's basically Santa. So you can't reach out to him. Uh, so he posts it to the Daily Planet in Milton Keynes, which happens to <laughs> then find on up the desk of Clark Kent, who happens to be Superman. So this kid is either <laughs> really lucky. Or the best investigative journalist we've ever seen who's single-handedly figured out who Superman is and where he works. Well, I mean, he's certainly better than Lois <coughs> at this point because Lois has worked out who <coughs> Superman is several times. Oh, God, David, talk to me about this. Does he... Can we skip ahead? We can skip ahead, can't we? Yeah. Does he 
wipe her memory again because I had to rewind this bit in the movie because I didn't understand what I just watched. There's a moment where Clark shows up, takes the glasses off, shows her he's Superman, and then they fly around New York and San Francisco. Oh, and <laughs> and oh, any, yeah, yeah. anywhere yeah. they want to go, they have the uh, the flying in the air moment. You're know, walking in the so air, they... rather. You know, it's the uh, it's basically a remake of the the scene in the first film. So they go. East to west coast, west to east coast, and back, uh, and it, you know it takes ten minutes, yeah. and then they sit down on Lois's balcony, and then she goes, "Oh, Clark, what am I doing outside?" Uh, so yeah, it's the uh, I woke up and it was all a dream. Get out of jail free card for Superman. In it's poor, that isn't it? It's a real poor it is. thing to do. It is, and. I don't know if they do it in any it's of the It's almost like films. using it's almost like using the force to heal death. <laughs> now now. <laughs> um uh, so so, so yeah. basically uh it, Superman and Clark they're having a hard time deciding whether they're going to get rid of nuclear weapons because the old men on on in the fortress of solitude said no, the young kid in the school says yes. Um yeah. <laughs> Lois basically tells him, it's cool, you should probably do it, you're Superman, you're the only person that can, and he decides he's going to do it, mm-hmm. and he goes to see the UN to tell them that, he he, does. that he's going to do it, um, and it, it's not really the UN though. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> well, in the film it is, <laughs> but they go and film it in Milton Keynes again. <laughs> <laughs> James, are you telling me that Superman and those kids and those twelve extras are not at the UN building in Metropolis? <laughs> no. In fact, in his own autobiography, uh, Crystal Reeve admits as such by saying that if it had been a scene in Superman One, we would have actually have shot it on Forty Second Street. Uh, Richard Donner yeah. would have choreographed hundreds of pedestrians and vehicles cut uh, to people gawking out of office windows at the sight of Superman walking down the street like a Pied Piper. Instead, we had to shoot it in an industrial park in England in the rain with about 100 extras, not a car in sight, and a dozen pigeons thrown in for atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I also love... Um... Yeah, I did. I actually will just jump into this whilst we're going through the movie because it's more fun. Um, Due to budget constraints, this film was mostly shot in the United Kingdom and Milton Keynes especially, with Milton Keynes bus station being used as the United Nations building (laughs) where the producers of the movie stuck a couple of random red fire hydrants in and figured that'll do. So good. I mean, the... The next line in his biography is, even if the story had been brilliant, I don't think we could ever have lived up to the audience's expectations with this approach. No, I do agree with Christopher on that. I mean, he's very, very self-aware about this film, which is great. Do you know the bit when they're outside the exterior of the Daily Planet? It is, again, another shot from the alternative side of the Milton Keynes bus station. (laughs) And honestly, go back and look it. I, I did. I did go through this a couple of times in the in the movie, and there's a few screenshots you can see. I might put one on the, on the Twitter account or on the Instagram. It's it's the Daily Planet logo on a cardboard sign stuck on a window <laughs> in the car park of what looks like a British a British bus station or a British um, a leisure centre, as we call them over here, like a, a pool or whatever. Yeah, it's like a British leisure centre with it's... a big sign over the top that says. Daily Planet. <laughs> it's just everything seems so thrown together. It's great. It's terrible, James. I mean, it, it's uh, <laughs> the ambition they had for the budget they had is is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, go on. You tell the rest of the story because I my voice is so dwindling. That's as we all can right. Tell today. He he walks into the UN. Other bit of trivia: as he's walking in, there's there's a, a seat in the UN that that's set aside for England. England isn't a member of the UN, it's the United Kingdom that is, but it says England, so it's... That's amazing. They even, yeah, they couldn't get that right, but uh, Superman delivers a speech at the UN, and for all the silliness that's gone on just before it, that speech is Superman. It's it's perfect. It's, uh, in terms of its... Uh, intention, you know, he t- he talks about how he wants to make the world a better place. Yada yada. It it could have been in any of the Superman films, and it would have fit. Yeah, it's ideal. 
so yeah, my note just says this speech is awesome, the best thing about the film. I think that, yeah. that probably is true. And then we cut to a scene where Superman is catching missiles, but <laughs> presumably armed, and just throwing them into a big space net. Yes, he's got a big bag in space. <laughs> where did um, he get this space net from? That's never described. <laughs> what a stupid... Oh, God. It is up there with, like... It's up there with... And again, we'll probably get to it, where how do you defeat... How do you defeat a man who relies on the sun? You push the moon in front of it. Yeah. Oh, dear. And the the the, the missiles are collected in this space net, and he throws yeah. them into the sun. Yeah. And it's this. it was about this point that I, I suddenly remembered that Lex's plan was all about putting his n- new creation on a nuclear missile in the sun. And I hadn't seen that scene yet. And it hasn't happened yet. So Superman claimed he was getting rid of all nuclear missiles. Yeah, how did he not miss... How did he miss the Lex Luthor one? Yeah, I I don't understand. (coughs) Uh, But it does mean we get introduced to a fantastic character played by Jim Broadbent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I I actually have that in my notes. I was hoping you'd pick up on it. I wasn't sure if you'd picked up on that or not. Um, Jim Broadbent at the time, I think, had only been in Fools and Horses and a couple of other small dramas, and then he was in this. (laughs) Yes. That's crazy, isn't it? So bizarre. Really bizarre. Uh, so yeah, yeah uh, Jim Broadbent's in there. Uh, John Cryer and Lex, after meeting with some crazy uh, arms dealers, Jim Broadbent being one of them, then go into like a mad scientist mode. <laughs> yeah. And they're cooking up Nuclear Man in a in a lab, and uh, presumably that uh, Lenny Luther has a lot of um, biology, um, you know. Well, know how? I don't know. Um, does, does he? I don't know. You know, this is the kind of thing I want to know. <laughs> At some point in the film, though, Lex turns to Lenny and says, "Lenny, let's keep your IQ a secret because <laughs> it's so Jeez. low." I, so I don't get what Lenny's involvement in this is. He was just really good with the remote-controlled car that killed. Well, it didn't even kill anybody. It just took out the guards at Lex's prison. Um, yeah, they didn't die because they were in the car when it went off the cliff. But inexplicably, they they were up the side of the cliff and they were fine. Yeah. Every, no one dies in this film. Everyone's fine. No. Um, and uh, so, can we, can we jump? Let's jump right ahead because yeah. there's so many bad things in this movie. But I think if we jump to the final 25 minutes, which is the battle with Nuclear Man, yes, let, let's do uh, that. I mean, you it, you are missing out my my favorite part where the, oh no, go on, sorry, go on. The, we've mentioned it already, but the, there's the scene where Clark is being Clark and Superman in a double date scenario. Yeah, which doesn't work. It doesn't, it, even though it should work, it doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. And one of the bits that makes it fall down is when he's in the room, he somehow makes the doorbell go outside the room <laughs> just by, again... <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, he's still in the scene when that happens. <laughs> it's just brilliant because so many of his powers in this movie are based on budget cuts and just forgetting continuity altogether. <laughs> Poor editing decisions, I guess, as well. You know? it's, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's during this scene, uh, Lex communicates with Superman like he does in the first film by using a really high-pitched frequency. But in this film, he tells Superman to look to his left. How does Lex know what's on Superman's left? No one knows. Doesn't Superman then look to his right? <laughs> <laughs> this film is still a little confused about location and geography. Yeah, he looks he looks out at Times Square, doesn't he? And that's where he sees Yeah, he, he sees, he sees Le- Lex, Lex TV and uh he, he goes to see him and at this point Nuclear Man's arrived and Lex introduces Superman to Nuclear Man. I like it when Lex goes into that room with Dixie and Trixie, his girlfriends, and he tries to speak French. <laughs> he's, he's like a proper Del Boy-esque thing, isn't it? It's really good. And then they just piss off those two. You never see them again. No. Um, oh, God. And then there's a bit... Yeah, when they create Nuclear Man, just before this, Lex fires a missile with a bunch of American people in a bunker. <laughs> yes. And it's probably one of my favourite bits. Again, we've, gone, we've kind of paged over it all as we go through it, but... He launches this missile into the, with the nuclear man um, DNA into the sun, and he as he as it launches he, he he crouches and then he turns to the camera and goes, "Ah, 
Misters. That was really funny. It is brilliant. I wonder how much of Gene Hackman's uh, bits are just him making it up as he goes along. I I love Gene Hackman. So yeah, Nuclear Man is born, um, and it's like a really cool moment where Nuclear Man is absorbing all the energy in space, and he's got his powers, and he's kind of evil looking, and it's like, oh, Superman's met his match. Mm. And then we cut to an aerobic scene <laughs> in a Milton Keynes gym with, <laughs> with Lacey and and. And Chris Reeve, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, James. Why, it's the why, worst cut I've ever seen. Yeah, and why is Superman in a gym? I don't understand. Why is he knackered? <laughs> <laughs> I just hated it. I just thought, yeah, I get it's the 80s, and yeah, I get it's going to be a bit campy, but I don't know. <laughs> and that, that guy in the gym <sighs> who's an absolute douchebag to Clark. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the reason I don't go to the gym. Yeah, he is. He's that. He's that stereotypical guy that you don't really get in gyms today. Yeah, and if you do, they don't talk to you. He's it's very yeah. odd. Uh, but yeah, he oh, he gets God. his comeuppance. That that's all cool. Uh, uh, once Superman meets Nuclear Man, it, it is where the film it starts to pick up a little bit action wise because they they do have yep. a have a fight. Um, they they basically are flying and holding on to each other's boots a lot. <laughs> yeah, and what's happening in this this half an hour sequence, as I'm going to call it, is that Nuclear Man is breaking things, and Superman is rebuilding them. Yeah, <laughs> that is all that happens. It's a little bit like in a video game for kids, where it's like, oh, he's lit an oil slick, and you've got to clean the oil up, and then you've got to stop the barrel. Then he's broken the dam, and you've got to fix the dam before you can get to the thing. And it just felt like that. Yeah, but there's a bit where he breaks the Great Wall of China down. Oh, yes. Um, for some reason, it's full of white Scandinavian people <laughs> and absolutely no Asian, Chinese or minority groups at all on the Great... Just saying, on the Great Wall is a big tourist trap and there is a lot of Chinese people that also travel the country to see it because China's a big place, James. Yeah. Um, but no, they're all white and they're all very Scandinavian looking. Um, and he then... F- yeah, he, sorry, he re- go on. He rebuilds the wall, Jake, with a new superpower that he's found. Yeah, brick power. He can. It's like that, like in the Lego game. <laughs> he can just look at the wall. Trivia incoming. <coughs> trivia incoming. So the the fact that he can look at a wall and rebuild it again, yeah. you're not going to be surprised by this. Was down to budgetary cuts because they oh, Jesus originally wanted um, to film a super speed thing of him fixing the wall by flying around it and putting bricks back. Uh, they just couldn't afford that. So what they did, they just filmed the explosion. And reversed it. <laughs> Love it. Um, Superman freezes lava in Italy, speaks Italian, yeah. and flies off. <laughs> uh, so presumably hasn't helped anybody because there's still a load of molten rock that's now solidified in their town. Yeah, so and, you have to sort that out. And he's he's put a, a another mountain on top of the volcano, which mm. surely that pressure's just going to build and build and build. He, he's and basically, another volcano. Yeah, he's basically just kicked the problem down the road a bit. Yeah, magma doesn't. You can't stop magma with a cork. It's <laughs> not how. That's not how magma works. No. Uh, so yeah, um, I think it's at some this point, sometime soon, where nuclear man works out he's got long fingernails. Yeah. That then become longer with a Wolverine chic <laughs> as the <laughs> Wolverine. Is style this when he noise. steals the? Stu- is this when he steals the Statue of Liberty from Metropolis that also thinks is supposed to be New York? Yeah. It, oh yeah, the, the Statue of Liberty that's in Metropolis that's also in Milton Keynes. Yeah. I don't get it at all. <laughs> so when Superman is flying, can I just say I just read I read some stuff earlier on Wikipedia, right? And it says while saving the Statue of Liberty from falling onto the people of New York, Superman is attacked. So you go. No, it's supposed to be, isn't it? Is it not Metropolis? Is that not where we are? Oh, even the people that have written the synopsis have given up. Yeah, no, no one knows. No one cares anymore. Um, yeah. So he, yeah, you're quite right. Superman is, he, he catches the statue of Milton Keynes and, <laughs> and he's flying it back to put it on its pedestal that's in New York because they're yeah. borrowing the Milton Keynes Statue of Liberty for a while. Um, yeah. So he's flying this back and Nuclear Man just comes up and scratches his neck. <laughs> Mid-flight, and and this yeah. was this was Lex's plan all along. Apparently, the the nuclear energy can give Superman a cold. Yeah, that was the, that was the grand scheme the, to make sure Superman 
has man flu. Well, doesn't it give him nuclear radiation poisoning? Yeah. But Presumably. That, I think that's how they describe it in the film, but visually, he gets a cold. <laughs> just... Superman gets... So Superman gets clawed yep. in Milton Keynes, and he gets ill, but thank God that we had that first scene with the... Um, with the with the little module from the spaceship, the core. Oh, I I am really glad we had that scene because there's a whole bunch of other scenes that we don't have that go from Superman, that Christopher Reeves looking like Christopher Reeves, to Superman looking like Christopher Reeves with grey hair. Yeah, and then <laughs> I also like this bit where <laughs> there's a bit where um, the 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 tycoon character and his daughter Lacey are walking around Daily Planet, and. He goes, why am I even paying Clark? He doesn't even do any journalism. <laughs> like, that is so true. <laughs> he doesn't do fucking anything in this film. No, I... Like, Clark just bumbles about with Lacey and goes to gyms and does aerobics. It's, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, he definitely doesn't earn his money. Uh, and they make no. another comment earlier in the film as to why Clark doesn't have any uh, airfare expenses. <laughs> Yes, I, I love that line. He's like, I looked at your expenses and there's no airfare. And he's like, oh, I don't really like flying, chief. That's <laughs> like, that's good. That works. Yeah, that's um, oh, So, So Superman restores himself using his um, little thing that we don't know, which may or may not be kryptonite well, from the ship. We, we have no idea how he does it because it cuts from the scene. Look, you of, don't see it happen. No, it cuts from the scene of him looking really old to all of a sudden he stood outside the Daily Planet trying to stop Nuclear Man getting to what is now Nuclear Man's new crush. Uh, yeah, he's after Lacey, isn't yeah. he? For no reason. It, absolutely, he's seen a picture of her. Somewhere. It's a bit like how all the Spider-Man villains kidnap Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and in all of those Sam Raimi films, which we will have to do at some point. He tells Superman that if he doesn't let him find Lacey, he's going to hurt people. And then he yeah. starts hurting people. And Superman's only response at this point is just... I've seen this memed a lot uh, on the internet where it, it's this, this line, Stop, don't do it, the people. <laughs> it's like, stop don't do it the people it's it, it just it, it's amazing it's just the the most ineffectual line God. like surely you're superman you could just stop him <laughs> so um superman tricks nuclear man shock horror because nuclear man not the brightest spark despite also voiced by gene hackman oh yes he, he's uh yeah the voiceover for gene hackman's just pretty pretty awful um so they I, at this point, you're assuming he's trying to get to the Daily Planet. So they he flies really awkwardly up through all the office built blocks in the Daily Planet <laughs> to get to the, the penthouse. <laughs> the, the penthouse is the same set they used for when you were looking where Lex was living at the time. But it's meant, right. it's meant to be a different place. It's supposed to be the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. Uh, Lex, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so Lex is top of the Empire State <laughs> Building. This is... The, supposedly the top of the the Daily Planet, which was a, a failing newspaper, but somehow can have like gold leaf on the walls and things like that. Who? <laughs> nothing makes sense anymore. But Superman pretends that Lacey is in the lift, so he tries to stop Nuclear Man going into the lift. When Nuclear Man gets to the lift, his true weakness is revealed because once he's out of the sun, he just sort of powers down, like the the rabbits in the Duracell adverts. Yeah. <laughs> he, just sort of, like... he just sort of powers down and Superman then flies the lift to the moon to put him down and he just sets it down and walks away thinking job done it, the job's not done no, <laughs> at this point, no clearly it's not at this point Nuclear Man breaks out the lift and they have a slow motion fight <laughs> <laughs> on the moon. On the moon. Ironically, lasting longer than the Conor McGregor fight um, that recently uh, and, happened. Uh, and he does fly Lacey through space at the end. Oh gosh, um, yeah. There's that scene. And this is a this is an adult uh, female human who can breathe in space. Yes. I mean, Superman should look into that because that sounds like that's another supervillain on the way. Yeah. Um, uh, Superman gets buried in the moon. Because Nuclear yeah. Man hits him on the shoulder a few times like a peg, bashing him into the moon's surface. Yeah. <laughs> so Superman 
uh, rescues Lacey after breaking free of the moon's surface and putting the American flag straight. He then goes and rescues yeah. Lacey because the American flag bit was super important. Um, yeah, you've got to do that. You've got you to tidy up. And uh, the, the way he's able to, to save Lacey is by moving the moon in front of the sun. So, nu- so bad. nuclear man powers down. But equally, he's also just changed a lot of the things that affect the Earth, mainly the yeah, gravitational gravity. pull of the moon. Yeah. Uh, tides. The tides, tides. James. What about all the tides? Yeah, there's floods, everything. It's, you know, <laughs> it's that whole uh, Ghostbusters thing, raining cats and dogs. It's madness. Yeah, um, mass hysteria, mass hysteria. <laughs> so, uh, but it's fine because everyone's okay in Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, it turns out we don't need the power of the sun anymore because <laughs> Superman puts Nuclear Man into a nuclear power station, which seems... Uh, can I just... Sorry. Sorry, yeah, go on. I wanted to correct you there. Yeah. It's actually the Didcot, Oxfordshire Didcot power station, <laughs> which is primarily coal. <laughs> so this coal, this coal-powered power station can somehow process nuclear man. Uh, yeah. And yeah, no, it's, it's 100% it's Didcot in Oxfordshire. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very well-known power plant just outside of Oxford. But, but the, good, go on. the good news is Didcot can seemingly provide power to New York slash Milton Keynes. <laughs> so we're all good <laughs> I don't know why this has been why have we spent an hour talking about this film <laughs> and oh god and uh, then Superman stops to have a photo opportunity with Jimmy um, I, I have some more interesting facts about Jimmy uh, Mark McClure uh, who's the actor who plays Jimmy Olsen yeah. uh, uh, plays Jimmy Olsen in the previous three Superman films and Supergirl 1984. So he's oh. the first actor to play the same comic book character in five films. And that's, in, that's a great fact. And, and that wouldn't be beaten until much later with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he's done nine Wolverine films. Yeah. Now, or eight, and, nine, something like that. And that was... Uh, yeah, so he, uh, he played Wolverine for the sixth time in The Wolverine in 2013, and that was... Then, you know, leapfrogging uh, Mark McClure. But yeah. uh, that was 26 years after this film. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's so good. That's such a good fact. So, I love stuff like that. I, it's great, isn't it? And I, he is, you yeah. know, he's still Jimmy Olsen for me. He's still uh, great. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, Superman gives another awesome speech. Perfect. Uh, pitch perfect for, for the film. Good, good speech. Uh, and then we see Lex and Lenny driving away on a, on a freeway. They're not on the freeway, James. No. They're on the M25. <laughs> <laughs> it might actually be the M. I think it might be the M6 or the M40. It's a, it's somewhere near Milton Keynes. It could be the M1. Yeah. Um, it's a British motorway with two American signs, um, and then the car is picked up by Superman. Yeah. Um, because their car stands out because it's the only ridiculous-looking American car in an English motorway. <laughs> um, and then they, they get flown away, and Lex gets flown back to prison, and Lenny gets flown to a, some sort of convent for uh, Boys Town for uh, priests. Yep. And um, and then and then Perry White, despite being skin and sacked. Manages to buy back the controlling interest in the Daily Planet. Yeah, he speaks to a bunch of investors who are supposedly interested in the truth. But I would imagine people who work in the financial sector probably are just interested in making money. I think they're more interested in money than truth, James, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah. That's normally how that works. Speaking of being interested in money, this film was budgeted at, I've got the figures now, it was a $17 million budget, and it only made $15.6 million at the box office. Jake. So it was a failure. So how would Perry manage to pay his loans? <laughs> the, the payoff from Superman 4 Quest for Peace is absolutely beyond me. Never mind... How did the producers of Canon manage to pay um, for all the rights and to distribute through Warner Brothers and Paramount is beyond me as well. I I, I feel that, that, that this film, I mean, it's, my maths isn't great, but it doesn't sound like it made any money. No, it was a flop, <laughs> as they say in the industry. Um, and it might be because of that, that they reused the ending of the first film again. <laughs> That that scene where Superman's flying over Earth, yeah. At the end of this film, it's exactly the same footage from the first film, oh, Jesus. and they just recolored it slightly. 
Yeah, sometimes you've got to do that. I know that uh, there's quite a few directors guilty of that. I think um, what's his face does Transformers. He's one of them, isn't he? Oh um, yeah, he reuses Michael, a lot. Michael Bay. Yeah, a lot Bay of uses shots. that. Um, so yeah, the, this this film, Canon, the film company behind it, um, they yeah. they weren't very good with money. Uh, <laughs> they 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 made, but what they were very good at is uh, hyperbolic claims about how good their films were going to be. So uh, they made a film called Life Force in 1985 and they claimed it was going to be the cinematic sci-fi event of the 80s. Brilliant. It, I had one that I've read about canon that they thought that this film was going to be so good when they were making it. Yeah. So they decided to cut the two hour plus time frame down to 90 minutes. And that way, theatre owners could um, do more screenings per day and potentially make more money for themselves and for the studio. Do you know what's really scary, Jake? Go on. They did the same thing for the Justice League film. <laughs> they, they did, yeah. They're not learning from their mistakes, Jake. <laughs> Good God. When Yeah, when when people like Nolan can bash out a Dark Knight film that's two and three quarter hours long or whatever. Yeah. Um and make it good, and they, they, oh God, it just makes me furious. It's, uh, the, the Canon also, um, part of the reason this film's budget was cut was because Canon had a dozen other projects ongoing or had just paid for a really big one, um, which was Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Yeah. Uh, and that came out in, in 1987, so the same year as this film. Oh, wow. And that cost them pretty much all the monies they had. I think the budget for Superman Quest for Peace was what they could find down the back of their sofas in Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did they have a GoFundMe back then? They didn't really have those. Uh, no, that, that, they didn't. Yeah. Um, so they, they just, apparently, uh, they also owned the rights at the time to Spider-Man. And they planned yeah. on making a Spider-Man yes. film, but the the uh, the losses that this <coughs> film made uh, made them think otherwise. It's so weird. Um, this is really interesting. Um, this was a Christopher Reeve article I found. Christopher Reeve publicly regretted his involvement in this movie, and he stated that Superman Four was a catastrophe from start to finish. Uh, that failure in my career was a huge blow to me and my career. That's sad, that isn't it? Yeah. Um... Apparently, I love Christopher Reeve. Apparently, he also uh, took John Cryer to one side just before release and told him it was going to be terrible. <laughs> Jesus. So he knew, even when it was being actually put out there for people to see, he knew it was going to be bad. And you just think, it's so sad, especially knowing what happened to him afterwards. And Yeah. You know, it, it just, this was his last Superman film. This was the, you know, his swan song of Superman. And it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. It is, isn't it, that you think about the accident and everything, which we will talk about at length later, but it, it is one of those things. It's also Mark Pillow's only film appearance, James. Uh, Mark Pillow is the actor that played um, Nuclear Man, and he was from Leeds, West Yorkshire. Oh, and uh, I imagine it's probably the very reason why they uh, dubbed him with the Gene Hackman voice. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be going, are you ready, Nuclear Man? I'm going to go and knock Superman out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if in the here 80s... we go up Leeds, up Leeds. Oh, brilliant! Nuclear Man, the Arctic Monkey. Um, <laughs> Nuclear Man, the Leeds United fan. I just yeah, uh, and weirdly, I, I we meant I mentioned this to you earlier today. He he looks a bit like Henry Cavill, like facially he does a little bit. Yeah, he looks yeah, a little yeah. bit like like how Henry Cavill looks in The Witcher. Looks very similar to how this bloke looks like as Nuclear Man. Yeah, Pillow stated that it was quite hard working with Christopher Reeve. He was quite an intense person. Uh, he did state, however, that it was an absolute joy to work with Gene Hackman. I thought it was nice. Oh, that was good. Uh, God, yeah, there's so many facts and, and there's so much on this. We haven't really got the time, but I think no. we'll probably go through more of this as we go through the Superman uh, franchise. And obviously next we're going to go back to Superman 3. Yeah. Um and then work our way backwards to the good ones. Yes. Um, I'm thinking, I don't know about you, I'm thinking maybe we should do Superman 3, get that out of the way, do Superman 1, Superman 2, and then top it off with the remake reboot that was Superman Returns. Yeah, I think that's a good 
a good way to work through. Like I say, because it kind of fits into the it fits into the genre and the continuity. Because I know yeah. that Superman Returns was the was the attempt at rewriting Superman Three and Quest for Peace, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, kind of it cutting was, their continuity out. Yeah, it was the uh, Days of Future Past of its time. Yeah, it was really weird at the time to do that, but yeah, it'd be interesting to talk about that later. Definitely. Um, have you got anything? Uh, we oh, we haven't done the. I haven't got any. Uh, I haven't got any merch, but I will get some merch for next week. Um, because I feel like this was one of those first time, uh, it took us a long time to get back into the rhythm of, of recording, yeah. which is why me and James are recording on a very, very late 11 o'clock on a uh, Monday night because we've <laughs> struggled to find the time to do this episode, but we will get some merch. I'll get some merch next week. James, you can promise to get some merch as well. That'll be great. I'm just going to go and find something really related to Milton Keynes. Yeah, I think I think that's great. Like, and I love Milton Keynes badge. That'll probably be my merch <laughs> for this film. Shall we, by the end of this, have a trip to Milton Keynes and visit <laughs> visit the bus station? You mean the United Nations, Jake? We're going to visit the United <laughs> Nations. <laughs> oh God, that's so good. If anyone has been to the Milton Keynes bus station, please get in touch with the show uh, at Do the Franchise on Twitter and on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we would especially uh, yeah. like some selfies. Yeah, anyone's got a selfie from the Milton Keynes bus station who listens to this show, please, please send it to me and James. I would love to see what it looks like these days and if it still has a Daily Planet sign above it. Um, so there, that's it, James. I think we'll wrap up yeah. and then next week we'll be back with Superman 3. Uh, joyous Superman 3, which I can't wait to talk about. Oh, it's 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 a good one. Everyone's in for a treat. <laughs> it's, it's at least 10% better than this one. Excellent. I'll hold you to that, James. <laughs> Right, see you later, James. Thank you, later, guys. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Bye.